welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Welcome to another episode of, to quote Ben DeHart, your new favorite podcast. Absolute favorite podcast. That's for all the folks who who stick around the actual outro, which I bet is 2% of our tens of thousands of listeners. In fact, I looked at the analytics and it it, it drops like from when we're done the episode to the outro, it goes from like 80% are still listening to 5%. People, <laughs> I've bleeded through my keyboard to find that uh, MP3 that we could license. No, I'm kidding. Um, all right, man. But hey, uh, instead of, uh, you know, a pop culture unrelated, uh, you got some big news. Yeah, big news. So guys, we started off as a podcast with co-hosts being in New York City and Austin, Texas, two of the cultural centers of the United States. Nick left Austin, Texas for Raleigh, and now I'm about to leave New York City for Birmingham, Alabama. And I couldn't be more excited. On one hand, I'm heartbroken. I will really miss my New York friends, and I really feel like I've grown up here at Calvary St. George's. If you're in the New York City area, it is the best church in the area, and I love the people there. Same time, I'm excited about this new role I'm going to have as a canon of a cathedral, historic cathedral, again, Cathedral Church, the Advent. So, Ben, what is a canon? That's just a really cool name for a priest who works at a cathedral. So, okay. I'm moving on up. What can I say? That's great, man. Um, well, obviously, congratulations. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yours, and you've done such excellent work at Cal St. G. So, I'm glad to see that getting rewarded, man. I'm super Appreciate and for the it, people, dude. the people of uh, of Advent, hopefully they'll be start listening to the pod, and they'll they'll come to love you as much as everyone does at Cal St. G's. Yeah, we're just we're really just trying to get more listeners. That's why we're moving around. Yeah, people, whatever, so, uh, whatever yeah. it takes. <laughs> All for the pod. Two <laughs> percent. Um, I mean, what are you? Do you know what you're going to be doing there? Well, so I told them I've been kind of a jack of all trades priest here in New York, and there are three other clergy there. Um, I guess I'm going to be the dean's right-hand man from what I understand. So I think we're still trying to iron out exactly what my title and role will be as canon. Because usually you're like canon for liturgy or canon for pastoral care. We're trying to figure that out. But Well, let's I just think- workshop that live on the pod. <laughs> um, is there like canon for like cool young priest or what's the, uh, what, that's what, right. what, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, essentially, uh, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, you know, I guess I have people in my life telling me you should have a title that's super important sounding so that if you ever move on, that people will be like, oh, that person's a big deal. But I kind of say, why not do something else? Maybe have it a little bit absurd and people just have to ask questions about that. What would the most, what would the like most plausibly, the most plausible absurd title be? Yeah. No, I mean, it, I wouldn't want this, but I'm sure some of my friends over at the Saved 
by the city podcast would love it to be canon hot priest for cathedral church <laughs> that's not plausible that's definitely not plausible <laughs> yeah so speaking of hot priest man uh, our canonical for our, our psalm as it were for advent uh, a lot of them are not psalms as we've learned uh and it is the song of mary the magnificat um ben you're gonna walk us through it but let me start by praying it as we will pray it on the fourth sunday of advent my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him and every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. All right, gang. Well, just a little background. The Song of Mary or the Magnificat is one of two canticles that if you're in the Anglican tradition and you do morning and evening prayer, you essentially can say it every day for evening prayer. And in other traditions, it's either morning or evening prayer. We won't get into that too much. But I mean, this is Mary, the mother of our Lord, who upon meeting Elizabeth, uh, as we're told in Luke, uh, the baby jumps in the womb of delight. And Elizabeth is saying, you know, great are you for your faith. And then Mary bursts out into this song. And what really kind of stands out to me, because there's a lot going on in this song, is Mary finding delight in God. Nick, when's the last time, you know, we talk about God a lot. We read a lot of scripture. We do a lot of church, but I think it's really easy to forget to delight Mm. in God. Mm. When's the last time you actually delighted in God, Nick? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, I think one of the challenges of being a quote unquote professional Christian is your engagement with God always has a, it's hard to escape this, the question of how am I going to use this? Like, you know, I think the most beautiful things in the world and the most delightful things in the world are beautiful and delightful as ends in themselves. They're not means, but it's, I don't know if you experienced this, but if I'm, watching a movie and a, you know, a theme of self-sacrifice or unearned love or justice, you know, rectification comes to the fore. I don't delight in it for its own sakes. My brain automatically goes, oh, I'm going to use that in a sermon. Right. Or, you 100%. know, um, and so, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, you know, p- p- mileage may vary on this, but I, I enjoy a lot of um, different types of contemporary worship music. You know, I don't enjoy all of it, but I enjoy a decent amount of it. And I have like a a pretty heavily curated playlist of worship songs. And one of the things that brings me the most renewal and joy is when I'm out riding my bike around Raleigh and just listening to worship music. And I definitely will have some kind of merging of like flow state and delight in the Lord. You know, like my body is engaged in this kind of, intense kinetic activity, but my spirit is rejoicing in God, my savior as like the, you know, the, the tune of the gospel is being, you know, reverberating through my earbuds. Um, 
yeah, AirPods, excuse me. Uh, yeah, man. So I don't know. I think, I think that kind of like that, that flow worship thing is like probably how I delight in the Lord most reliably. Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. I mean, you know, I've been Episcopalian for a long time, but I've never, I mean, if, if praise and worship music is, is good, it actually can be kind of amazing. Totally. Connecting with God. And what is that, that new album by the singer who used to be, or she's in Wild Bell, Natalie, oh my Bergman. gosh, Bergman. She yeah. has, so listener, go home. Oh, it's go like to your a, Spotify. A Spotify rap that made my top five for sure. Yeah. Listen to this album. I don't remember what it's called, but her story is pretty incredible. It's uh, really sad. Her her dad died in this car accident. Some somebody was going the wrong way on the highway, and her her dad was killed. And part of the way she's dealt with it is she has she's made this album. It's and called it's Mercy. Kind of like it's called Mercy. Mercy. That's right. It's kind of like this like psychedelic Jesusy. Yeah, album. it's kind of like like peak Stevie Nicks, Fleetwood Mac, hmm. but like in you know. But I mean, and when we say the songs are like, it's not like I actually don't really like this kind of stuff. No, no one cares about musical opinions. But like, I don't really like the like, oh, they're Christian themed, but it's indie rock, and it's just like the worst version of both. It's like mm-hmm. this is bad indie rock, and the lyrics are so abstractly Christian that I don't get a lot of gospel juice out of them. This is not that. This is like like it is they are vertical songs like they are songs totally. that god revealed in jesus christ and they are incredible it's so so good yeah and you just get that sense of god meeting you in your brokenness here which actually a lot of praise and worship music doesn't do so long sidebar there to, uh, <laughs> to continue on with the, the magnificat but i mean that's a big part of it right mary finds delight in god she rejoices that she has the privilege of giving birth to the messiah uh, so she glorifies god for his power his holiness his mercy and she's also what we really focus in on in this song is she's she's looking forward to god transforming the world through the birth of her son yeah. um, and we see that right the proud will be brought low, the humble be lifted up, the hungry fed, and the rich go without. So kind of a reverse parallelism there. Um, And, you know, that's, I mean, when I think of the Magnificat, that's mostly what I think of, of this kind of inverting of those kind of kingdom values that are oftentimes the exact opposite of the values that we have in our society. Uh, But I I kind of find that a little bit boring because that's talked about so much. Is there anything you see here, uh, Nick, that's... uh, maybe a little fresh. Well, I don't know if it's, I, I, as I was like meditating on the, on the canical. And like you said, it's something that we say are here. If you do or hear morning prayer, um, it's a, you know, huge part of the season. And so it has been, you know, on my mind a lot by virtue of that. And, um, there is in the canical to your point, a kind of leveling, the rich are brought low and the poor are lifted up. And what it speaks to is that, yeah, whether it's the the first coming or the second coming of Jesus, it does result in this leveling. And the image that came to my mind, I'm I've only I've only gone sailing once, um, but uh, I know that a sailboat is propelled propelled by the wind, and a very strong wind can do one of two things. If you respond to the wind rightly, it propels you. If you fight against the wind, it drives you into the rocks. And I think the coming of God is not altogether different than that. If you are on 
you know, the humble, the poor, the broken, uh, the, the wind of God's coming leads you home. If you resist God's coming, and if you are proud and conceited and you refuse to acknowledge your brokenness, that wind will dash you into the rocks. The rich he has sent away empty. The proud in their conceit are scattered. The mighty are cast down from their thrones. What that entails in a social political sense, I don't know, but I, I just, that image of like the coming of God is this rushing wind and you can harness it as it were, you can respond rightly in humility and brokenness and it will take you home. But if you resist it, it will triumph and the proud and the conceited and the mighty are brought down. And I think, you know, the, there's a reason why the song of Mary has been on the lips of the most vulnerable afflicted Christians throughout the centuries, because it is a, a, a emancipatory liturgical artifact, right? It is, it is proclaiming that God is on the side of the lowly. And at one point in human history, you know, the, the last shall be first. Yeah. I think, I mean, when I hear Magnificat and I've, Feel like for most of our listeners, if you have access to a smartphone and can listen to this, then we're probably all on one side of what Mary is talking about. And what I want to say to us is the fact that we hear this canticle, we read this passage of scripture, and we keep reading or we keep listening. The fact that we don't just walk out of church when we hear this read means that the Holy Spirit is at work in you. So, rightly so, we receive this a lot of times with you know, a little bit of a spirit of fear, like, oh man, like I am probably the rich. I am the one who might be cast down from my throne. But fear not, because the very fact that we keep on listening and reading means that Christ is at work in us. So to keep on going on from, from there, I think I really want to end with, you know, Mary talks about how God has been faithful to his promise to Abraham and his children. And I mean, I think this is really just kind of emphasizing to you and me today that though everyone else is a liar, though we've been betrayed, though people have not kept their word, here we see once again that despite all evidence of the contrary in our lives at times, our Lord is no liar. Our Lord keeps his promises. And sometimes it doesn't look the way we want it to look, but God is faithful. And in those moments in our lives, when we experience resurrection, uh, we too can delight in the Lord like Mary. We can proclaim his greatness and just be reminded all over again that he keeps his promises despite all of the, you know, this present evil age throws at us. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that's the good news I see. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. gospel, man. Absolutely. So yeah, man, that's all I got for today. <laughs> it's going to be a quick <laughs> one. That's a good note to end on, man. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, all right, well, let's, let's say it. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. 
He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.